Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Classroom Matters podcast with me, your host, Christy Hool. And on today's episode, I am delighted to have with us Vicki Weber. Now, Vicki is a musician and an elementary educator with a love for children's literature. As a Puerto Rican author, she strives to create picture books that are fun, engaging, and educational. To date, Vicki has several books. We're going to let Vicki tell us all about her, her many accomplishments and her many published books, but it ranges from first readers, it ranges to children's books, and middle school reading as well. Um, all of her current titles are based on her background in music education or her heritage. And although she's no longer in the classroom, she also serves as one of the coaches for the at-home author organization where she teaches others how to become successfully published too. Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Okay, so there's so many things to talk about. And Vicki and I were talking before we started recording that she has so much experience in so many different fields. So Vicki, I want to go back and, and let our listeners in on a little bit of your uh, before becoming an author background in education and being in the classroom and sort of what that journey was like for you. So I was in the classroom um, for about six years. My bachelor's is in music education with a vocal emphasis. And then my master's is actually in teaching and learning with an ESL concentration. So I primarily taught uh, elementary music education. Uh, but my most recent position, I was part-time music ed and part-time STEAM. So I taught the whole school, but it was a very interesting job and no two days looked alike. Uh, so that's pretty much where I'm at. I, most of my uh, music education background is pre-K through second grade, pre-K through fourth, um, approximately. Mm -hmm. So how long were you in the classroom and then how long have you been out of the classroom? I was in for six years and I left actually about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago. Uh, just due to COVID and all of the fun things that education has turned into. At that point, I was already published. I actually was published um, in January of 2020, and then lockdowns happened in March. So most of my author career has been during the pandemic. And then I found out I was pregnant with my daughter. <laughs> so uh, in April of 2021, I went on maternity leave with her and I never went back to teaching. I decided to take the dive into educational picture books full time and um, and continue educating just from a different lens. Yeah. And so had you seen hints of wanting to write during your career, your six years as a teacher, were those things sort of starting to rise to the surface? Or is that something that just sort of when you knew that you were not going to go back to teaching started? I've always wanted to be an author, but I thought it was going to be one of those things that people just say, you know, oh, I want to play in the NFL. And then they clearly don't and don't try or just something on the bucket list that I would look back and wish I'd done. I, I thought that that's what it would be for me. And one day, my husband, who has a lot of hobbies on the side, he asked me, what's something you've always wanted to do and you've never done? And I said, I want to publish a book. I want to write kids' books. And he said, well, what's stopping you? And I was like, I guess myself. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I started writing and I started researching how to make it happen. 
Um, at first it was just something I wanted to do. So I did it alongside teaching and I had no intention of leaving teaching, but then it transformed into something so much more powerful. It quickly became something I absolutely loved. And I found that I was more myself um, and I could offer more to my husband and my daughter by leaving the classroom uh, and pursuing this dream of mine. And even though I, I do miss the classroom sometimes, I think a, the biggest takeaway for me is I am still an educator. It's a part of who I am. I don't have to be in the classroom to educate and to inspire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm so glad that you just said that because there are so many people that feel sort of stuck right? And I know that a big crop of our listeners on this podcast are educators, they're teachers, they're folks that are getting up and, and being in front of kids all day and being with kids all day. And they may feel like that's their only option. Because when you think of being a teacher, when you think of being an educator, your mind automatically goes to being in a classroom full of kids um, and teaching content and teaching curriculum and things like that. But the fact that you're bringing up the point that you don't have to be stuck in this ideal of being in a classroom setting. There are so many other options and there's so many other avenues in education that you can take. Um, just like you're talking about being a, a, an author of children's literature. I mean, children's literature in classrooms is so such an integral and vital part of a child's education that you're still, like you're saying, you're still involved in the education of children. You're just not showing up every day and being there in person, you know, in front of them and being responsible for teaching them the curriculum. So everybody that's listening, it, 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 there are other things that you can do. And so I also wanted to ask you if you, it, it, you started writing, you said when you were still in the classroom and you were sort of, you know, dabbling a little bit in writing and, and getting the creative process started. If there are folks that are listening that, that don't want to leave the classroom that say, you know what, I love being in the classroom. I want to stay here. I want to, I want to be in teaching for the next 20 to 30 years, but I also want to write. Do you think that's possible for, for folks to actually just still be in the classroom and be a published author of multiple books? That's a great question. And absolutely. I had no problems. Obviously it was involved and there was work, but the balance was really doable when I was doing um, teaching full-time and writing. Uh, the, the thing is for me, I quickly learned that that's not the path I wanted to continue. And so the most important thing to keep in mind for any author, any teacher is to remember that there is no one size fits all. There is more than one path to success and not everything is going to be right for you. Even within publishing, mm -hmm. there's self-publishing and there's traditional publishing. Some experts will go on and say, this one's better, this one's better. But the reality is they both have pros and cons and you have to decide what's best for you and your situation your priorities, your schedule. And because that's going to vary, the only person that can make those decisions is you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's such great advice. Um, because when I, when I thought about writing my book, I was challenged with those same questions, you know, what to do there's And there's so much out there, right? You can learn anything on your own. Now you just have to, and I, and I heard you mention in your um, intro, you talked about when, when you started to, to get the writing book, you had to sit down and do a lot of research. You had to really start investigating. I mean, yeah, you can be writing at the same time, 
But to understand the process, you have to put in the time to research. And so I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, so I want to talk about your book idea. So you're in the classroom, you're teaching, and you, you know, you've got this creative juices flowing in you and you know you want to write. How challenging was it for you or was it, maybe it just came really natural, to start creating stories and start thinking about characters and things like that? I feel like at first it was a little bit more difficult because I wasn't sure which ideas were good. And I also then wasn't sure how to get those ideas on the page in a way that lived up to my vision for it. So I would have this idea and I'm like, okay, but does that actually work in a book? I'm not, I'm not really sure. So that part was, was definitely the trickiest transition. Um, but I'm at the point now where it just comes so naturally to me that I wake up in the middle of the night. One of my books is called Tiger Tempo. I literally woke up at like midnight, sat bolt upright and smacked my husband. It was like, Tiger Tempo, Tiger Tempo. I have this idea for a book. And I wrote it all literally within the 20 minutes I was awake. And then I went back to sleep. Obviously mm -hmm. the editing is a whole different <laughs> beast. Um, but at any given time, I just have a running document of things that I think would be cool books I can't find that I'm looking for, um, concepts that haven't been covered or perspectives that haven't been covered as well. A lot of people think that you have to have a completely original idea to write a book. It's not true. You just need a completely different perspective. You need to bring mm -hmm. you to the table. Um, so it's kind of fun to just have a running list. And then as I organically have more ideas within that idea, then I continue to expand and write and then edit and pursue. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love the fact that you're bringing up how you're, how it, how you take on writing and how you get your ideas out. I mean, you're waking your husband up in the middle of the night and you're like, okay, I'm getting up. I'm doing, I would never do that, but I have a different style. Right. And so it is situational for everybody. And so it sounds like you are sort of just living your day-to-day -day life as a writer and you might be at the grocery store or you might be with your one-year-old, you know, at a play date or an event and, a, and something comes to your mind and you jot it down or you pull out your voice recorder, or, you know, mm -hmm. so anybody that's listening, that's ever thought about writing, just know that it is about what works for you. And, you know, we have so many forms of, 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 of putting down information now. You know, we've got our phones in our hands all the time. We've got pen and paper everywhere and all these things. So I love the fact that you're bringing up, you know, the it's it's just so individual. It's not a one size fits all. And there is no this is the right way to write a children's book. So, OK, so tell me about I really want to know more about the stories and I want to know about the titles of your book. And I know that my listeners are probably like, what are her books? I'm, I'm already wanting to know what her books are and, and these things. So talk a little bit about, I know you said you have multiple um, different sort of areas of books, grade levels of books. So tell us a little bit about your published works. So my my two bestsellers right now, uh, the first is on the music ed side. Uh, the first is Rhythm Rescue. And it's, a, it's actually a superhero book where... Um, similar to something like don't push the button or don't let the pigeon drive the bus where the kids are engaging with the story. Uh, rhythm rescue in order to activate her superpowers within the story, you have to clap the right rhythms. There's two rhythms throughout. And so you have to clap the right one in order to help her along in the story. 
Um, another one is When Step Met Skip. So on the musical staff, uh, with actual music notation, um, steps are exactly what they sound what they sound like. If you think about a staircase, just going up steps um, versus skips are you're skipping over one. Well, that can be hard to learn on the musical staff because it's so new for kids. So I turned steps and skips into characters who then do their action around the staff to visually show kids what steps and skips are, but they have their own personalities. Step is very shy, very cautious. He doesn't like change. Skip is adventurous and carefree and whoop, here we go, taking a leap of faith. And in the end, Step and Skip realize that the best songs are made up of both of their favorite things to do. One isn't better than the other. So that's music ed wise. Um, those are, you know, my best sellers. And then on my heritage side, I have what's called the Taino Tales series. And the Taino were the people indigenous to the Caribbean around the time of Christopher Columbus. And many people don't realize that the things that we, um, some of our language, some of the things we have today, like the guiro, the maracas, barbecue, hammocks, those are all Taino inventions. Um, a lot of people just assume they're from Latin America or Spain. Uh, so the Taino Tales series is a retelling of their legends. Um, and throughout the legends, um, it educates about, you know, where they lived, what they looked like, all with the, like subtle Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that what is so amazing about the books that you're writing is that they're one, not only fun and engaging and, you know, exciting to read, but they're also uh, really educating um, probably not only kids, but the adults that are reading them as well. And really in a fun, engaging way, bringing to light some undiscovered knowledge and information where, you know, kids and, and teachers and parents are like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Um, all the while they're having a really good time with it. And it kind of makes me feel, you know, think of like our homeschool families that, you know, post pandemic, we have seen the homeschool population really um, double in some areas and, you know, families are making choices for whatever reason to educate their children at home in a home setting. Um, and a lot of parents that are homeschooling their children feel, um, sometimes inadequate to teach their children, which usually they're not because parents are usually always the, the, the child's best first teacher, but sometimes they don't give themselves enough credit and it's a scary thing. So I think that your books really lend themselves to obviously not only the public school world, but also the private and homeschool world where parents can really grab onto these books, engage with their children, learn with their children, um, and really have a lot of fun doing it. And so now you're writing books for multiple ages of children as well. Is that correct? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is just books are meant to be an experience. And there's always going to be a place for, you know, nonfiction educational tools. Uh, but I think that, you know, fiction education it tricks the kids into learning. They, you know, when they're having so much fun that they don't even realize it, there's something that's just so special about that. So I aim to write all of my stories in such a way that it doesn't matter if it's the parent reading it to the child, if it's the child reading themselves, if it's a parapro reading, you know, to 
their uh, caseload or if it's a substitute teacher reading the book out loud. The goal is that whoever picks up the book will have something to take away and be able to teach those kids because it's just that user-friendly. So some of my books are geared a little bit more towards the younger age group, like zero to five, uh, but the majority of them are K through four approximately. Although I have plenty of adults who love them, I have plenty of middle schoolers who love my picture books unexpectedly, and even my one-year-old daughters. A lot of them are above her above her head, but she loves the illustrations and she loves, you know, the, the fun experiences reading with me that comes along with the books. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So talk to us a little bit about, um, your, your, your beginning reader, your step-by-step reader for, um, Disney. So how did that project really come to light? Because those are really, really, I mean, I have a whole basket you know, I homeschooled my kids for six years and my youngest son used all of those Disney readers. And so it's so exciting and um, thrilling that you were able to have that project. So how did that project really come to um, start with you? It was, it was December and I was in my third trimester. I was exhausted. And all of a sudden I opened up my email (laughs) and there was an email from an editor at Disney. And I was like, shh, that's not real. (laughs) There's no way that's real. That doesn't happen. I was thinking it was like a Prince of Nigeria something, but then I was like, okay, well, what if, um, and I started, I looked up the person. It turns out they, they were legit. And so I met with her and she told me all about this movie Encanto that was coming out. And at that point, the movie had not been announced to the public. So people did not know this was a thing. And it was kind of funny If you try to sit down and explain the plot of Encanto to somebody who doesn't know and hasn't seen the movie, it's really difficult. There's a lot of characters and a lot of layers. And by the end of that meeting, I was like, okay, can we rewind and start again? Um, But they asked me to pen the step into reading version of the movie. So I had to almost like put the puzzle pieces together. They gave me the art. They gave me the movie script. And then they said, this is the age group we want it to be appropriate for, Uh, which is deceptively difficult when you have a movie that long, trying to fit it into Mm -hmm. 32 pages in only vocabulary that, you know, level three allows, um, which is typically like grades two and three. Um, yeah, it was hard, but it was a lot of fun. It was, it was literally like putting a puzzle together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I've always wondered how they came up with those books because when, well, and I haven't, I have another really funny story I need to tell you about that movie and your book, but, um, we, we read all of those. And so, you know, we had watched Wreck-It Ralph a million times and we had watched Wally a million times and, and all these movies. And then we have these books that are like, you know, 12 pages long, and I'm like, how in the world did they capture the entire plot of the movie 
you know, whether it's Wreck-It Ralph or whatever, we probably read that beginning reader from Disney about a thousand times. And I'm like, but they did, you know, the author and whoever did that book really did a great job. So you explaining that process of, you know, the movie script and, you know, I think that's really interesting for people to hear because I guarantee you that most of our listeners have at one time or another used those books, whether it's at home or in their classroom. But I have to share this story with you because it is so weird and bizarre how this happened (laughs) with you being on the show and this movie and this book. So about a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was that that your name first came across my uh, emails about potentially having you as a guest on the show, we were in Florida visiting my my husband's wife, or I'm sorry, that's weird, my husband's <laughs> sister. Okay, everybody, he only has one wife and it's me. <laughs> no. Now it has been so, cast. <laughs> right. I know, right? Edit, edit, edit. Um, anyways, and she has a two-year-old and I had never seen the movie Encanto up to that point because I have three teenage boys. We're sort of out of the Disney movie stage. You know, they're not really watching Disney movies anymore. And I wouldn't say it's a more geared towards girls, but you know, it's, it's a sweet little story of a young girl, whatever. I had never seen the movie. So we go to visit and we're staying there and her, her son, that is the only movie that he would watch. He was going through a phase where it was Encanto like over and over and over and over. So we're sitting there and she's like, Hey, we're going to watch Encanto. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what that is. I've never seen it. And this has just been a couple weeks ago. I'm like, I have no idea, but yeah, I'll sit here and watch it. So as we're watching the movie and you're correct, Vicki, as I was watching it, I'm like, okay, now this person is who, and that character does what? And I'm like, I got to make sure I'm getting all these pieces together about this story, because there's a lot happening in this in this plot. Um, and he was just, you know, loved it. And I'm like, okay, this is a cute movie. And I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. And I'm not kidding you, in the middle of us watching that movie, for me, the very first time, I got a notification on my phone. And it was your name came across my notifications as a potential guest and it and I started to read your background and your bio and that you had written the Disney you know version of Encanto and I said oh my gosh you guys will never believe this this is the weirdest thing and I I was showing my sister-in-law and my husband I'm like this is like the weirdest thing ever like I'm sitting here watching this movie for the first time in my life and this is the person that comes across my notifications I was like it was meant to be it was meant to be Yeah. So I, I just, you know, I think it's so weird how those things happen, but, um, you know, I think that the fact that you've done all these things, right. And that you're, you're so, um, dynamic and experienced in what you're doing. And I think that the, the idea that you're bringing information and knowledge into these stories, um, is, is, is such an integral part of student learning. And so, you know, if, if I, if I could ask you to kind of go back to when you were a kid and going to school, what kind of an impact do you think that the literature had on you as a child, the books that you were reading? Honestly, I was a huge bookworm always was. I don't know if there's a specific reason why, like my parents loved reading to me, but Uh, It was mostly just something I really enjoyed and was self-motivated to do a lot. Um, And so I just thought that's how everybody was. (laughs) I was the person who uh, was excited to go to school in the morning, excited to learn. I was, I was the teacher's pet hundred percent. I will admit it. Um, But when I got into the classroom as a teacher, I very quickly learned that the majority of my students were not like that at all. And there's nothing wrong with that, but 
I feel that if there's an opportunity to encourage them and engage them in the things that they already know and enjoy and love, um, in the things that they already find interesting, then I would love to be part of that solution and part of that encouragement and part of pointing them in the right direction. I don't expect them to be authors. I don't expect them to, you know, sneak on the school bus like I did when I was a toddler. But, you know, I do hope that they learn to love reading. Um, but I hope that they learn to read what they love, not what mm. I would have loved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit too. So you're also involved in an organization um, called At Home Authors. And so tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing there and what that organization is all about. So we are a group of uh, three teachers turned bestselling authors. Um, it's myself, Brittany Plameri, and Chelsea Tornetto. And the three of us found the publishing industry at first to be very confusing. There's a lot of conflicting information on the internet. It's not all in one place. And there's a lot of opinions about this is best. No, this is best. No, this is best. And what we found was a lot of those things were just opinions. They weren't based in fact, and they didn't take into account that everybody has a different schedule, a different budget, a different priority with their book, a different publishing route preference. And so as teachers, we wanted to be part of the solution for that content. So we started at Home Author and we offer coaching, consulting courses. We have a YouTube channel. We have blog posts. Uh, and active Facebook groups and wherever possible we try to help others become published too because there's absolutely no reason why other people can't do exactly what we've done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And folks can can find you there at athomeauthor.com? Absolutely. Athomeauthor.com has links to all of our other free things like our Facebook groups and YouTube. So that's definitely the place to start. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is that also going to be the place where folks can go on, get more information about you and also where to find your books and what the titles of your books are? My books, you'll be best off searching my name, going to trunkupbooks.com or searching Vicki Weber on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Mm-hmm. Well, Vicki, you have been such a pleasure and a delight. Um, all of the work that you're doing is so amazing. And I really just appreciate the time for you coming and being on the show with us today. Thank you so much again for having me. And you can also find Vicki's information at the Educate.Today website, along with all of our other wonderful resources for both public school and homeschool classroom environments. And once again, this is Christy Hool signing off with this episode of the Classroom Matters Podcast.